Welcome to the Success is My Religion podcast, the podcast where we study success from the perspective of African Americans and people of color like a religion. I am your host, Michael Taylor, also known as the Success Engineer. I am a life coach and creator of the Work Hard Philosophy for Individual Achievement and the founder of the Work Hard Movement. Enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. I'm here with my man, Aaron Whitfield. He, I just met him on uh, Instagram. I, I came across his, his podcast page, which is uh, the uh, at Black Introvert Podcast. And it, it just it hit me because um, I'm, a, I'm part introvert, and that was my life all the way up until like in college and grad school I was I was constantly pushing myself to come out of my shell <laughs> so yeah, yeah. when uh when when I was when I was coming to, when I came across this page I was just like wow let me let me talk to this dude I didn't I didn't l- listen to his podcast or nothing I was just like I'm a message him and see if he wants to come in my podcast to talk about being an introvert because uh, Self awareness is a big key to uh, ultimate success in our in our society or just in our lives. So um, I'm welcome, Aaron. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So introduce yourself. Kind of give give our, our my audience a, a background of of who you are and how you uh, started your podcast. Actually, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I started this podcast, it was called The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert. And really, I started it. Um, a lot of it is because a lot of people in society don't understand introverted people. Uh, people introverts are people who generally recharge by themselves. Uh, we, we, aren't, we aren't the life of the party. Uh, we are someone that, we are the people that stand in the back. We're there at the party, but we may leave early. Um, we're those people that generally like to be have some time of isolation uh time of introspection and time of solitude and so i started the podcast in being a black introvert because if society does not understand introverted people they definitely don't understand black introverted people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um especially when it comes to black men mm-hmm. uh generally black men are portrayed as being the center of attention or the entertainment of society and uh, we're always on stage performing. That's what society <laughs> views us. Yeah. But then yeah. you have this whole other section of black men that are just nah. We're just we're black introverts, and we are, um, we are unspoken in society. We're overlooked in society, and we go about our life and our mission in our own way. And so um, that's the origin of the podcast. I have a background in education. I've been um, leading um, a lot of youth development. Uh, with different organizations here in Columbus, Ohio, wow. for almost 10 years now. Um, I work in a large metropolitan library system, running mm-hmm. an after-school program that sees between 60 and 100 kids a day. Uh, most of our kids are 80 to 90 percent East or West African. Mm-hmm. Um, my background is entrenched in the community, and so 
here I am, and I'm excited for this uh, for this episode. Hey, I appreciate you, man. This is this is gonna work on so many levels because I got so many projects in the works. Like, because it, it, like I'm an introvert myself. I'm an ambivert actually. So I work myself to be an ambivert. So um, in some situations, like I can force myself at, over time to be more extroverted in my personality. So I um, I teach group fitness classes. And, oh, okay. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, but I was a basketball player. I played sports. So I I was I'm used to being in front of crowds. But I also take my time to myself. So I had to start studying what it meant to be like an introvert because it, it came across, I was like introvert and, and the, I don't know what I was looking up, but I, I came across the book, uh, quiet by Susan yeah. Kane. And I great book. that yeah, great book. And, and that was a part of my like self-development and self-improvement just coming off of like, that's a part of me. And I just didn't know. So when did you find out that you was a, a introvert or when did you know that that was a, the name for it or the term? It, it took me into my um, into I'm 35 right now. And it took me going into my 30s for my for the majority of my life. Uh, much like you, I played sports um, and and I enjoy being on the court. I enjoy being on the field. Um I also, uh, as you know, I do speaking, public speaking, and I and I speak at uh, youth uh, detention centers and and churches and things like that. And so I don't necessarily mind being on the stage. I can do that, but it took me to go through hell in my twenties <laughs> to figure out like why do I not feel? I feel like I don't fit in yes. society. Like yes. I feel like I feel like I am. Um, I, I always tell people like I'm an alien or an outsider. Yep. To society. Uh, an anomaly, like just <laughs> yeah. Y'all don't yeah. understand don't, me. <laughs> they don't understand me. What it was, they don't. They didn't understand me, and, and it led. And really, what it was was I didn't understand myself. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand myself, and so I normally thought of introverts as being quiet and and just and and those people that choose not to participate in society at all and the ones that just stand alone in the corner. I never identified fully with that. But once I started breaking down, like, okay, I'm an introvert. And, and I, I did this test called the Myers-Briggs test. And Yeah, uh, I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm an INFJ. And when I read over my hey. personality profile, it made sense to me. I'm like, this is why these are my quirks. And it's not that I'm odd. It's not that I am an outcast. It's not that that I don't fit in with society. It's I have a different way of thinking. Yes. And and, that, and it's a very unique way of thinking in which the majority of people don't think. And so it's just I walk to the beat of my own drum. Yes. And so it took me going through hell in order to really figure out what my personality was. And, and it's okay to have this personality. Mm -hmm. And and what people don't understand. So I did a little bit more research once I like after I understood what INFJ was, it was uh, I started doing it like I was like, how rare is that? Because, you know, not a lot of people can coach Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? That's right. So uh, if if I'm rare in society, then not a lot of people can know how to bring out my fullest potential. You see what I'm saying? 
Absolutely. And uh, so I went in, I, I was like, how rare is it? Because I was like, this this can't be <laughs> like I like I can't just be the like the the minority in every place. Like I'm just the, an anomaly in everywhere I go. And I, I looked it up. I was like, I'm an INFJ as well. So I looked that up and I was like, how what what percentage of people? Because Myers-Briggs is, is one of those real popular ones that uh, personality tests that people take. And I know a lot of people have taken it. So I was like, what percentage of people are INFJs? And I found out that it's 1% of the pop- total population that has ever taken that test. Yep. And I was yep. like, that's amazing. So on top of that, with me, I took another test, the DISC assessment. And then I was a like a 99. They give, uh, it's D-I-S-C. And they give uh, ratings for each of those um each of those characteristics, I believe. And I have a 99 in one and that's a rare thing. So only 1% of the population has, uh, that has ever taken the Myers-Briggs is INFJ. And then I have another one that I'm 99% in one category in this disc assessment. I looked that up and I was like only 2% of people that have ever taken the disc assessment are have a 99 in one category so i'm like when if somebody like a boss or something wants to get the most out of you i'm like that boss has to understand a very rare person (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) have you ever had that happen like is that what you meant i struggled in your 20s absolutely it's it's a struggle in my 20s and it's because INFJs, we are reluctant leaders, mm-hmm. and, and 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 we are the people who are like, oh, I, I don't want to lead, but I don't want to be on stage to lead, but I'll lead the group, and we will lead the group. We will take the group where it needs to go after everybody else fails at taking the group to where we need to go. Right. And so it's a hard personality because we are we are natural leaders. Mm-hmm. But it requires a visionary. It requires if we have a a manager, um, it requires someone who is secure in the in themselves and secure in what they bring to the table in order to coach and allow the INFJ to thrive in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my um, I found with with people that have uh, been my managers, they struggle to they struggle to to necessarily handle the empowerment or the power or the skills and the knowledge or the passions that I have because they're used to managing people that lack empowerment, that lack strength, that lack uh, vision. Skills I'm and, and ability. Skills. <laughs> you you probably you probably that person that have like multiple talents and multiple like extreme like you really good at a lot of different things too. A lot. It, it, you know, and that's something that I, I thank you. I am. And I've had to learn how to embrace those things mm-hmm. in my 30s after figuring out, like, why am I not getting this? Why are people intimidated by it in my 20s? And so with my with people that are managers or people that I work with, it is um, they have to be sure in themselves. And a lot of people just aren't sure in themselves. And 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 with that, they don't necessarily manage the INFJ personality well. It comes off as being arrogant or aloof or or you're too quiet or you're too this or people like you too much. And and really, it's just it's just everything that's on the inside of us. 
And so um, it, it could be a struggle at times to sort of handle that in the workplace because you don't necessarily feel as if you fit fully. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think as an INFJ and really as introverted as, as leadership, this is more of a leadership uh, conversation too, where if you work with people that don't have vision, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, if you work with people that don't have vision, that don't have empowerment, that don't have strength or courage or, or vision, you can feel isolated in your workplace. Mm-hmm. And, and it leads to, it can lead to conflict if not addressed or if not sort of reconciled within your soul. So yeah, I've definitely experienced a lot of those. And uh, the word for it, we're advocates. <laughs> I was trying to think Absolutely. of it. We, yep. it, it. we are advocates. So we will do more for ourselves, our, for other people than we will do for ourselves. So we, if, if the team needs us to step up and be the leader, we, we'll do that because we understand the team needs it. But for ourselves and leading a, 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 and being an entrepreneur, which this is, this is what I had to transition to. I'm like, I, I got to do this. Like it's, it's selfishness. I have to be selfish now. And, <laughs> and that's not a part of my personality. So um, like I'm doing these different projects, I'm writing books and uh, online training courses, but it's all from my thoughts, my vision yeah. and, and and my unique personality and, and my unique experiences. And, and I take everything in and people don't understand that. And, and people want to, this is, this is what I had a lot of trouble with people like, Oh, just stick to one thing. Just stick to one thing. And I'm like, I've never been that way. Even so, when I went to college, um, and the college that I graduated from, I did everything. I was a student. I was an athlete. I was involved in a four-year organization that served, uh, uh, certifies nonprofit professionals, and I was a resident assistant. So you talking? We the same age. So I just turned thirty-six, and um, this was. 18 years ago in 2002 2003 I went off to college you know what I mean so I, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for half of my life being yeah. everything so I, I am an educator like you I'm an educator I, uh, I I work in a high school the number one school in Kansas um, and like I teach these kids about success and and fortunately for them and for me I've had all these multiple experiences over the 18 years and I had to work myself from like coming from a disadvantaged background as most of us come from. And I'm having to like, I have to embrace like that. I'm good at almost everything, especially I get good over time. And that's what people don't understand about like just success in general. And this is a, a success podcast, but success in general is like if you do something uh, for a long time you're going to get really good at it it's success is so um and i think even within the african-american community you want to be successful for your community for your people for your family for your for for those that are around you and, and much like you, I had to learn how to how to want success for myself, mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and and have it not be. Sometimes I think we have a misconstrued. I was walking to my house um, last week, and and I was and I told myself like, you know what, I, I am proud of me. I'm proud that I have a house that I can walk up to. I'm proud that I am. Uh, during this pandemic, I've been working out every day, running five miles for my personal health and betterment mm-hmm. uh, every day. I, I am proud that 
that I, I'm proud to be proud because I spent a long time not being proud of myself. And I had to really think about the black community and being proud. We often look at it as being prideful. Yeah. But it, it, as, if, as if success and pride are, are tied together. But really, we just need to be proud. And, and so we have we had these moments of being proud. And, and I'm learning how to embrace those in my 30s, man. It, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a beautiful thing to do yes yeah because teach them yes teach teach somebody else that that's my whole mission um i'm i'm speaking it into existence right now um i'm going on a tear like my whole mission when i 18 years ago when i left high school i was like i want to be that guy that i didn't have like i want to be that person that 18 year 18 year olds can can go to for advice some sound advice and i have worked myself into a place where i can do exactly that and i didn't understand that was my ultimate goal you know i said it to myself silently you know like i need somebody like i need to come back and help my community and help those that come help those students that come from a similar background so uh, my ultimate goal i tell people is to fund and run a life prep program for disadvantaged student athletes and um, with that with that mission, I was like, it's always going to be students. And, and I created the whole program myself because I studied nonprofit management. I, I did recreation administration, all of that management and did all this over 18 years. I'm like, I'm taking everything that I know and putting it back into the leaders of tomorrow, because those, good. these these 18 year old 18 year olds and down. In 20 years, in 18 years, they'll be my age, right? <laughs> or our yeah. age. And y'all going to be the next leaders. So I need to get you ready. If I can get you started on a path that I had to start at 26, 28 years old, like if I can get your uh, learning curve to, to be only five years instead of 10 years. So all of this stuff that I learned over 18 years, you can get done in in four or five while you're in college or doing whatever after high school, like that's what I need to do. And then you guys are going to be able to at 36 years old, be in some of these leadership positions and lead in the right way. Because what we know is that this country is, is going to be a a majority minority country in 20 years. (laughs) If it ain't already, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, it, a lot of it, and I agree with you, it, it, it's, I, I had the same sort of uh, mentality of the reason why I do what I do is because I didn't have many people in my life that could have done what I, what I do now. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have as many, um, and, and I have a pretty, I came from a black middle, ca- middle class family. I had a lot of mm-hmm. support. A lot of a lot of very uh, uh, my my father a very strong a father a uh, very strong um, uncle uh, brother, um, but when it came to like men, especially black men, I didn't have that community support that I felt like I needed. I didn't have mm. that black teacher. I didn't have that um that that sort of outside of the family circle. Who's that? Who's that male? I had a whole lot of strong women whole lot of strong Mm. women but the black male was almost non-existent and so Mm -hmm. the reason why i do what i do is because i know a lot of the kids that 
um, that I teach, they don't have black male teachers. They don't have, mm-hmm. and, and they may not be as connected to their father, especially with, uh, with serving such an, uh, a population of East and West African kids. They, yeah. they, their fatherly connections, they may not have a connection to their father. And so here I am as this black male that could put on the father hat, that could put on the uncle hat, that could put on the mentor hat, that could put on the friend hat, that could put on all these mm-hmm. sort of hats and play these roles. Actually, not even play the roles, just be a part of the community. And invest yep. into their lives in a way that they will be able to reproduce and do the same thing. I talk a lot with my students about reproducing what we do within our classroom environment, with our, within our community environment, teaching them how to reproduce it wherever they go. If you're in college, yep. you could reproduce the same environment. If you're in high school, if you're in middle school, once you get older, uh, once you graduate, you can reproduce these same, the same environment. Because what I have in me is going to be in you. And so man, it's yeah. legacy. It's that word that, that we should try to strive for as black men, as, as men, as people in general. Legacy. We got we to Le- create legacy. Legacy is what, what, what you leave for us. Yep. <laughs> That's one of my, my new t-shirts that I'm coming up with. <laughs> the legacy is, is, is what you leave for us. Yeah. And, and that's, it, I do, a lot of so I created my own philosophy for individual achievement based off of everything that I've done and just it's a long story <laughs> but um so my philosophy is an individual philosophy I, I believe as as black people as uh people of color we have to take it at a individual success and success needs to be our main focus. And what a lot of people don't understand is that success is, is, is the, is, is in the eye of the beholder. So it's whatever you behold. And we have something, each of us have a gift inside of us that, that needs to come out to help other people and help society as a whole. So if, if we have a dominant culture, our dominant society and diversity is the ultimate way to be i'm t- i teach my students and i teach everybody that your individuality and what you have in your own mind needs to flourish and with my philosophy is a reverse engineering philosophy that we reverse engineer what do you want what do you see in your head and we can create it moving forward but we don't want to do the work to put that puts it in and we have so many obstacles that we have to overcome just to get to a point where we need, we can get it out there. Like I had to work for almost 18 years to understand what I needed to do and what my life's calling was. Are you willing to put, 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 put in all that, all those years yeah. after high school, 10 years after gra- graduating with your master's, are you willing to put in all of that? And, and that's tough. Like that's almost 20 years. It'll be almost 20 years by the time I, uh, get finished with all like my books and my different projects and stuff. <laughs> and but you know, it, it, are we are we willing to do that? <laughs> it's it's a tough. It, but you, you know, you, you said it right though because it, it, it's we got to teach the youth about their gifts. And we, it, I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know if 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 this world and the black community, I don't know if we teach our gifts well. I think I think we teach at times um, 
we we teach at times what we should do, or you need to go work. You need to work over here and get a good job. Well, what if you're- because that's how we we were we were um, conditioned. Yep. We're conditioned, and we we're we're basing our we're teaching our things off of based off conditioning, and that's what makes me an anomaly in the the school system and in society is that I don't teach based off of my conditioning. Nope. Like I know that I'm supposed to get a good job to get paid this amount of money, but I want millions and millions of dollars so I can help millions and millions of people. Yep. So and and what my mom could give me ain't enough. Like <laughs> like she she only has some college experience. Like she can only take me so far. The people in my community community can only take me so far. So what happens after that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and, we, and, and that's a good way, good way to look at it because it, it's you gotta you gotta tap within. You gotta go back to the individualistic nature, the power that I have within. I have powers and I have gifts. I have passions. Everything that I need is on the inside of myself. It's beautiful when, when I can connect with people, but I am not a person of lack. And it took me mm-hmm. going into that's why you know I, I talk about the hell in my twenties. I had to get out of my the hell of my twenties in order to see in my thirties like, yo, I'm talented. Yo, I, I'm skilled. Mm-hmm. I have gifts. And so now I can pour that back fully into the kids that are 15, 16, 17, 18. That way they don't have to wait until they're 30 to figure out, like, yo, I have skills, I have talents, I have I'm intelligent. I, I am mm-hmm. driven. I, I have purpose. We don't we talk a lot about and so many of us. Go ahead. We, we Go talk ahead. a lot about in this in in, in um in this world and in and within our community about our positions of life. Like you need to get this job position. We don't talk about our purpose. And I and, I, and my goal mm-hmm. is to make sure that the students under my care, that even the people that are listening to my podcast, that they understand. That, yeah, you're you could put some a little bit of stock into your position. You could, but but don't be so position driven. That you're not purpose driven. Your purpose driven. Your purpose mm-hmm. will always give you a position, but you, but yep. your position yep. will not always supply you with purpose. And mm. so it, it's like, what are you chasing after, the position or the purpose? And, and I'm making a choice now. Now that I'm a little bit wiser. Now that I'm in my thirties. Now that I am more in tune with self, I'm chasing after my purpose. I will always have a position. My purpose will always create that for me. Because if you if you chase that position, like I I go based off the ten thousand hour rule, you gotta you gotta be putting in work for those ten thousand hours. So is it is it going to be pointing you in the right direction or in the wrong direction? Because I can go and work at Best Buy for way more money than I make doing as an educator. Yeah, for all the years as I've been an educator. But that that wasn't going to position me, and and su- success is all about positioning. You want to position yourself for those opportunities, so when those opportunities come, are you going to be yep. ready? So if I'm working at Best Buy or a restaurant, managing a restaurant, I'm not necessarily going to be in a position to take advantage of being a a residence hall director or. Uh, academic advisor or something that's in education that maybe less money because that's what I did. I I took I took the less money route <laughs> because I knew it was 
what I uh, kind of what I wanted to do. And that's what made me figure it out. So that's what those 10,000 hours are. So we have an idea in our head. And this is what reverse engineering is. <laughs> I have an idea in my head when I leave for college that um, I want to train athletes. That's how it begins as a seed. So when I go through in this path of of my little vision, it starts to expand. It, it starts to you start to see what it looks like at the end. So I go through college four or five years, grad school, another seven years total, you know, and then I start working in the field in education and different things. So I start to see, oh, this is this is kind of what I can do with it then. 10, 10 years after my or seven years after my master's degree, I, uh, oh, I can, I can, um, what is that? <laughs> Fund and run a life prep program for disadvantaged yep. student athletes. That's my ultimate goal. But that's after 15 years of, of putting in work towards my yep. goal and going through everything that I went through as far as, you know, learning about myself, being an introvert. Like I was quiet all of my like teens and early 20s all through college and grad school like I had to work myself out be a a, a waiter <laughs> during the summer so I can talk to people get comfortable talking in front of people and and different just different things like that it, it took me like um so in high school I was I was very very popular and and, and, mm. and people knew people knew who I was I was very popular but what 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 occurred is that I realized within, I was like, you know what? I may be popular. People may know my name, but I really only have six friends that I really trust. And, and, and so mm-hmm. though there may be all these people around me, the people may assume, oh, yeah, he likes he likes being popular. He likes the attention. Now, I really only value, truly value on a on a on a different scale, these six to eight individuals on that scale of, of, mm-hmm. of like intimacy and like relationship. And so being an introvert is, 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 is so different. It's so different. And it's different even within, <laughs> even within our, um, even I go back to the black community, it's different even within our, the black community and how it's viewed. You can be viewed as being timid. You can be viewed as being uh, 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 scared or, or afraid or, or, you know, a sissy or whatever all these all these yeah 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 sort of attached Mm -hmm. to why aren't you as in some ways as masculine as this guy yeah masculine it's it's a weird sort of role to sort of view and and that extends as we've talked about extends into the workplace extends into our families extends and so it's a it's a relationship it's a weird (laughs) it's not it's a different place to be and so I'm definitely glad we're having this conversation because I know there are people out there that are going to listen in and be like, you know what? That's how I feel. And, 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 and I'm yeah. not an oddball. I just have a different view. And um, that's going to bring some healing today. And, and yeah. And, and it's the key point of all of this is self-awareness. Just the, the, at the base, the root of it, the more self-aware you are, the better you can you can manage and and um, bring forth and go towards your purpose because the more uh, that's what we had to do to get to this point right now yep. <laughs> we had to become more self-aware and even though we're at one of the extreme uh 
ends, like even those people in the middle that already know, like are a part of the status quo and they fit in with all these different situations, you still need to be more uh, self-aware because you have you have just the same amount of gifts Absolutely. as we do to to give to the world. <laughs> so you need to understand what your purpose is and go towards it. But if if you're looking at positions and wanting to get to positions, I think that's a little bit of selfishness in our part because we're not looking at what we can offer. We're looking at I can be in this position that can give me this money so I can do this other stuff. But all of these experiences that the other stuff is giving you is a part of your ultimate gift because I believe that we all have experiences and things that we go through that are going to enhance what we ultimately are supposed to be doing our gift that we give to the world so i i, I teach group fitness i teach zumba i teach uh I, you know i'm an educator i was a basketball player for all of my life and you know i did all of these different things i studied nonprofit. i studied recreation you know yeah. i did all of these things and all of these things are coming to into play <laughs> in, in me understanding myself and what I can give to Absolutely. other people. And if people want to put me in a box to, you know, just go teach the, the kids. But this is for everybody. I created a philosophy that you can use and I know how to use it so that it brings the most out of you. But are you willing to put in the work? Because yeah. <laughs> because it, it it takes a long time to get to where you you ultimately know what you want to do most people know what they want to do because it makes them a, a lot of money or it gets them out of a certain situation it's, it's, a, it's a um I, I i spoke at a church um here recently well about two years ago and the title of the message was uh faith versus finances and, and and it goes back to sort of position. Which mm -hmm. one are you, do you chase after your position or chase after the purpose? And I know, and not to go too deep, but I know that God God was telling me, Aaron, you need to chase after faith. Finances will pop up and show up. They'll come and they'll go. But if you chase after your faith, you will always mm -hmm. be supplied. Much like you, I've done. Now I've done a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, I've worked of course with youth. Uh, motivational speaker, preacher, um, songwriter. Um, I ran my own nonprofit. I was even a women's personal stylist. Like people saw all these hats I was putting on. Like what? <laughs> you, this doesn't match up. Yeah, so yeah. Within my skills and my talents and my passions and my loves, and and I can take all those things, even the personal styling aspect of my life. And I can put them right back into what I'm doing right now in terms of teaching, in terms of helping kids figure out what to wear to an interview, sitting down with the student and mm -hmm. we can go over prom dresses and 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 wearing tuxes and how to wear an ascot and and all these things show you how to tie a tie. The versatility, the versatility. Show you that's, how to tie a tie that's versatility. And, and how to do a double Windsor because you may not have l learned how to tie a tie from an uncle or a father or a brother or or this is what you wear especially mm -hmm. for um just going back to my students whether you are a male or female a lot of them i look at i look to as my sons and my daughters and as for my sons and my daughters this is what you should wear 
this what this will highlight mm-hmm. who you are. This is this will look beautiful on you. This will this will look handsome on you. Like it goes back to to investing in the soul, investing in the soul, and in, in whether it's with kids or with adults. And yeah, in, people just in the, people. The, the principles in people yes. are the same. If I can reach a teenager of fourteen, I can speak to an adult at forty four. The principles are the same. The, the roadmap right. may be a little different. There may be some some uh, different characteristics in the roadmap, circumstances, but but circumstances. everyone wants to be invested yeah. into. And so, yeah, yeah, and and that's that's that that goes to your versatility. That's why you're able to move in all of these different uh, under those hats. <laughs> your your versatility with people. Yep. <laughs> you understand people and and that's what i understand about myself like i'm i always i'm going from educator to group fitness instructor to <laughs> to <Yep. laughs> being an uber driver and doing all these different things and are are leading a nonprofit uh uh young professionals group so i'm dealing with a bunch of people from all different walks of life all different positions above me, below me, uh, my peer, you know, those, you have to know how to interact with all of those different people. And a lot, this is, this is where people don't understand me. They like, I I don't, I don't want to assume anything, but, <laughs> but they look at me funny. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about people and their interactions and mm-hmm. different things, the connections that I make. Uh, just with how people act and uh, our social conditioning, the status quo, like I have a good uh, foundation in in that study because I also read books about people and and have uh, introverts and and extroverts and books on success and different things like that. So I have all this information that I compile yep. and I'm like, all right, this is what it is. <laughs> and people are like, no, it's not. Yep. But you only see in one dimension. That's the power. I see of in like three or four and dimensions. I think introverts, <laughs> I think, are generally we we are very observant. We are very observant, and though we may not say it, Obs- uh, yep. it doesn't mean we're not thinking it. And when we say it, we know how to say it. And so it, it's it's usually right, and we and it's make usually sure we right don't say it <laughs> to cut. You know, we got to make sure we don't just say it just to throw out throw out a spear. And yes, and that's the that's the power of the visionary that's the power of the introvert that's why i think that um that we're not understood we have to understand people who generally don't understand themselves and 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 we have a vision you Mm -hmm. spoke on earlier in terms of in terms of feeling that emotional connection with people i feel such at times especially during you know here we are in a time of a pandemic where, I, where if I go into a store, I could feel emotions of people. Mm-hmm. I can I can feel the emotions, and some of that I think is also like a mm-hmm. God given gift, uh, you know, that's bestowed upon me. But to feel the emotions of people, and to know that there's something in me that has to lead the people. There's something I, I'm I'm here for the community. I'm here I'm here for mm-hmm. myself, my family, and my community. It's not necessarily about the me. It's about the we and so we get people we understand we may not necessarily feel like we always fit in but, yeah. but we get people 
<laughs> Even though people may not get us, we're always going to be put into that box of a mystery box. Or I can't necessarily define you. I don't need you to define me because I define mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, which is a whole other sort of line of thinking. Too. Myself. But it, but it, it's, it's that sort of notion yes. of walking in power. Whether you are an introvert, extrovert, male, female, black, white, tall, short, how do you walk? in the empowerment of whatever your personality is, whatever you bring to the table. We need introverts. We need extroverts. We need right. people that are in the front, in the back. We need people in the middle. We need, to, we need, we need us all to sort of come together and walk within our strengths. Yeah, work together and walk work within together. our individual strengths and work together. in order to build up a collective strength. And, and, and that's, that's the beauty of, of humanity and, the, yes. and diversity. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and coming back to the black community, I was, I've been thinking on this for a long time. I'm like, what if it's not coming together that we need? It's a collective understanding of what the individual you as individually bring to the table. And I told, I said it earlier about um, success being our number one priority because that's an individual based thing. What do you see for your future? And if we come out of the conditioning that we have to understand what that that vision of our future is, what is success in the eye of the beholder, and what, what do I need to do to position myself, just by you positioning yourself in that right path is going to help us more. <laughs> the more yeah. people we have successful, no matter what it is, it's going to yeah. push the whole the whole group. So it's not a, about waiting till everybody comes together. It's about you need to get to where you need to get to. <laughs> and we need to help you get there. Whatever it is, just get there because we'll be better off the more successful people we have outside of entertainment and sports. Yeah. The, the better we'll be off. But we don't, we don't want to put in the work because we are conditioned to stay in this box of getting a job or being our souls, sports or entertainment our souls related. Are so hurt, we don't know, understand. I think, I think black folks, like you said, we, we collect, we will come together and collect, but we don't connect. And I think, I think, I think we, we, we don't connect, we mm-hmm. collect, but we don't connect because I think we have so much pain and we have so, and we don't, we don't connect and have yeah. conversations like this. We don't, we don't, we don't connect as, as black men and have these conversations in terms of what I see, like we're having, what I see in you is, is strength. And, 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 and this is my experience. And, and let me hear your experience. We don't connect in that way. And so it's hard for us to get to that next sort of yeah. plateau, so to speak. Even though I'm not even sure that if that plateau even exists, but it's hard. We have to learn how to condition <laughs> ourselves to connect and not just co- collect. We'll collect for a fish fry. We'll, we'll have a. We'll go. We'll go somewhere after church and eat dinner. But when it comes to collecting and mm-hmm. connecting to mm-hmm. create legacy, to to start business, yeah, to start business. What we leave behind. If I yeah. know you do this. Mm-hmm. You do this. Let's come together and collect and connect to start business. We don't do those things. And and, and we don't. Yes. Have, we need that business. Yeah. No. No. Because and we're we're stuck in in what the status quo has 
told us over the years of what we need to do. We need to provide for a family, get a job, get this. And, and we get stuck because we, a lot of us, I came from low income, you know, like I was like, dang, I need money. And once you get your, your mind on money, like, and the need to not the, the want of money, the need to, I have to, I have to provide for myself and, I have to make sure my mom is cool because we don't have any grandparents. She doesn't have a husband. So I have to work twice, three times as hard to understand my finances and where my money goes and and how much money I'm getting and what I can make and, and all of these different things. And people like money ain't ain't, uh, ain't everything. It gives you options. The ability to make money is everything. And I need... <laughs> It gives me, I need more options. I'm already a, a INFJ. I, I already do a whole bunch of things and I love that. So I need more options. You can't just tell me I, uh, to talk to one group of people when I can talk to every one of yeah. these people and are uh, these groups and <laughs> you, like you limiting me and we don't have any limitations. Nope. That's the number one thing. Nope. We don't have any limitations. Yeah, I, I tell <laughs> We people just like, haven't money, figured money that part out yet. But sure can make someone smile. <laughs> And sometimes, sometimes all you need is that smile. Yes, like we, we. It's an important factor to 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 not only I mean to teach how to get money, but also how to keep it and how to invest it and and and, and use it. Yep. Yes, use and it use as it opposed and to use it to, to your it advantage. You and um and within our within our communities, mm-hmm. we. I think for so long, I think we may be part of this new sort of generation, a generation that can uplift, the, like we've been talking about, the youth that are behind us. Because I, when I look at my father's generation, or my, especially like my grandfather's, mm-hmm. and even my father's generation, those who are in their 60s now, they worked, and that's what they know mm-hmm. how to do. My grandfather's generation really worked. They worked. They weren't family men. They, they were in and out the house. Mm-hmm. And so my father's generation... They worked because they had to, and they worked for the financial success of their families. Now, our generation is more so like, you know what? I I gotta mm-hmm. have I gotta have some enjoyment in my work. I can't just go to a job and just show up and yeah. just clock in for fifty years. That model is done, and so we. That's and and that's what, yep, that's, what that's, what that's what they teach. That's what they're teaching. And now, it's, <laughs> so that's been bestowed uh-huh. upon us. And now we're breaking out that mold. And so we can supply the younger generation with, you know what? Why don't, what's in your heart? What's in your passion? What's in your purpose? What are your gifts? These are the conversations mm-hmm. that, that they're not having perhaps with their parents, but we can teach them how to have with their kids when they have kids or, or, with, or with each other or, because I, I do, I think this is such a new philosophy mm-hmm. for people of color to actually not just be focused on being laborers, but being owners, not just focus on being workers, but being creators. And so mm-hmm. we are, this is really a trailblazing type of generation mm-hmm. and it is showing up in, in various ways. Very, man, <laughs> it's, and it's 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 almost a uh, not a burden but like Whew, like yeah. we we have a a job to do <laughs> because uh, like the the older generations they're teaching us the way that they know 
the world to be. They're teaching us from their perspective, but we have an ultimately different perspective. I talk to older people all the time, and I'm like, you can't tell me that just to do it this way because there's multiple ways to get there now. And if if you're not teaching me to understand myself and what I can bring to the table, then I have to learn it on my own. So I can't just listen to you. And that's what a lot of older people that's they like yep. to tell you what to do and you're supposed to go do it and that's not how we're supposed to be that's not how i teach anybody that i run into i'm like hey what do you need to do and it's a lot of the 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 conversations that we need to have is not it's about our dreams and our our goals and and what we bring to the table but also how do we get there in multiple ways to win and and not just yep I need to be a basketball player or football player or entertainer or whatever. I'm like, there's multiple ways to, I just watched last chance you. And I was so, man, mad, just mad that like our mentality as these young kids, they like, oh, I'm going to get to D1. It's only a 2% shot <laughs> to, uh, to even get to the NFL or yep. NBA or whatever. Because- 2%, probably less than that now. And and that's your only route, and that's what we condition that's our conditioning, conditioning to and think that, and that's, across and that's the a board. Reflection of our hearts and our souls. If we think we only have a one shot chance for success, we we have to be. If we're not LeBron James, then we can't be anything else. So we're not. And 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 I, you know, I I love athletics. I love sports, and they're a great vehicle for some, mm-hmm. and they teach, but. But we teach the performance as opposed to teaching the principles. Did did you get the did you get the principles of the team game? Yes. Did you, did you, yes. Did you see how if you're playing basketball, how you need to assist somebody else, or how you need to be in position on the block, how you need to be in position of life, or how when you get your shot and it's clear, take it. Or like we don't teach those principles, and so and so we don't. We have to get back to coaching. We have to get back to teaching. We have to get back to. Actually, I'm not sure if we can go back. We have to move forward to coach. We have to move forward to teach. We have to move forward and yes. have conversation in which dialogue occurs from both parties. You brought you spoke about older people, and and, and now that I'm and, in my 30s and I'm 35, I have to make sure with my kids. Yeah, mid 30s, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> mid 30s, like I have to make sure <laughs> with my there. kids that. <laughs> We have conversations <laughs> because that's such a new thing in 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 our household and within our communities that I'm not just going to dominate you because I'm your father. I can't because I'm going to crush your spirit. And 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 mm-hmm. I have to work. I have to be so conscious mm-hmm. of having conversations. There are times where I'm domineering where I'm like, "Yo, Aaron, sit down and chill," because this is not how this is supposed to go. You have to encourage, even if you're, even if my, my kids are nine and seven, even if it's a nine year old, even if it's a seven year old, you have to show them that conversation mm-hmm. is how you build. Mm-hmm. You have to show them that they are worthy of conversation and, and understanding. Yep. And understanding. Like, I understand. I understand you. Like, and and that's that's what makes me so that's why I can speak to and help some a wide variety of people because like I started teaching in a uh elementary school 
So I was like, oh, this is how it's done. And then my philosophy, uh, the work hard philosophy for individual achievement, that is based off of just reverse engineering and just putting us in position. And work hard means W-R-K-H-R-D means willing to receive to use knowledge, habits, and resources diligently. And what we... What what we need is a blueprint for success. We need a, a plug and play for each individual. This is my goal, and these are the things that can position me. And that's my whole mentality behind the work hard philosophy is I can't tell you what you want, but I know there's a way to get there. And if you work hard, and if we understand the 10,000-hour rule, if you're doing something in the realm of what you ultimately want to do, and if that's your purpose and you get 10,000 hours, nope. in it, nobody can nobody can beat you. You will not lose if you do <laughs> these things. I'm telling you, the my philosophy is so dope. Like I, we, and I have to have you back on because we need to talk about oh religion, too, in, in, in uh, the black community. But we're going to we're going to change. Uh, we're going to we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot a little bit to a more. uh um, not serious. It's it's a serious topic. To- it's not more. It's a serious issue and yeah. topic. The Ahmad Arbery case. <laughs> and as as black men, like people don't understand. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people don't understand. White people don't understand. I'm at I'm at my my white family's house <laughs> right now. My wife's out of my family's house, and a lot of them don't understand that. Like this is a pattern of stuff that's been happening over years. So they they tell me a lot to. Um, uh, I keep looking at the history and past and past and past, and I'm like, I have to look at the past. So I I need to understand what's going on now, because our past is 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 what what happened to get us to where we are now. And we got this uh, Ahmad Arbery. Yeah. This is this is not this is a regular thing. This is this happens on a this regular basis. A, um, what what is going this, on? This is this has happened recently, and it's happened three hundred years ago, and, and so it's such a touchy subject that once again it goes back to conversation that we have to as white and black communities, as white and black people, we have to have conversation about these types of. Uh, I, I don't even want to call them incidents because it, it's not it's not an accident that these are happening. It's within the fabric of America. It's it's within the fabric of overall right. historical mistreatment mm-hmm. of African Americans, African American men, African American women, people of color in America, that this country has in many ways made a choice to overlook. Um and, and it's just so it's so within the fabric mm-hmm. of the freedom of the so-called country. And so, it, it, yeah. And it, it's, it's not, it's not on us to teach the dominant culture or how to be <laughs> like that. And the way, the why, why I say that is that like, we come from a perspective where we know history and we, we understand what happened in the past and it, it's not me that, like I don't care who you are like I, I want you every person to be successful like I I, I teach uh, I, I volunteer at this all white girls camp 
just for the simple fact that they can have a a adult black male interaction so that when they grow up they have an experience of an adult black male before they interact with somebody yeah. else and yeah. think a certain type of way you know what i mean and i can't teach that to another person i can only give you the experience so as i analyzed it a lot of white people they only deal with black people that are below them as far as they're not peers but they are students or they uh they provide a service to the inner city or something like that so a lot of their interactions white people need to have intentional yeah. interactions with people of color is what i'm getting at their interactions are yeah. at a a peer level and lower they don't have a peer level and higher a lot of those experiences because we walk through life our bosses our our teammates our you know our students are yeah. you know are all white you know what i mean so we have we understand them at different levels as far as peers as far as authority figures and and different things like that where their spectrum their range of of people of color um in their day-to-day yeah, -day lives I, I think part of the is very limited <laughs> and then we have these interactions that come from a, a a status quo or a condition based thing which comes from the past so i have to understand your past to see your interactions that are happening now which happened with ahmaud arbery like these people didn't they hadn't had i don't think they had a lot of peers that <laughs> that are um <laughs> they, that, that they interact this country with hasn't black, black made, males. and I think that's part so, of privilege this country has not has not given or this country does not make white America be reflective and, and that's, that's part of the privilege of, of, of just being of white privilege mm -hmm. I don't have to necessarily reflect upon the history that's told in the history books because even though it's a skewed history even though they gloss over slavery even though they gloss over um, those those hundred years in between 1865 and 1965 in which black people were hunted down um, and, and found no solace and no safety post-slavery. And then we gloss over the 1970s, mm -hmm. which were mm -hmm. uh, not great times for black folks, 1980s, which was crack era. And, and so we gloss over all these times. I was talking to my coworkers yeah. uh, when, when I uh, first started my job, uh, this is about six years ago. And uh, there was a question posed, like, if you can go back to any year, what year would it be? And my coworkers, they, you know, mostly white, they said, you know, I would go back to the 1900s. I would go back to the uh, 1940s. I told them, I was like, maybe 1997, mm -hmm. maybe 96, 97. And they were like, why would you want to go back? Well, you know what I mean? was alive. Biggie was alive. 96. You know, like, it was still cool. But if yeah. I go back any further, my life will be even more at risk than what it is now. If I go back to the 70s, it, like, but they don't have that right. reflection right. because and society has never really made them, has never made them to reflect upon their own history, let alone the history of the people of people of color. And so mm -hmm. I, um, I think they right. operate so much in their fear. I think white America operates so much in fear of what if they did the same? What if what if black people? What if they mm -hmm. did the same thing to us? 
that that we've done to them. Yep, they operate so much in that fear, and so they're that we did to them. Superiority. <laughs> yeah, really, and, and it's not. I look at it like it's not even that difficult for me to see. Your your sort of air superiority is really your feelings of being inferior. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I did a podcast on it. It was it was interesting um, mm-hmm. on the Amon mm-hmm. Arbery um, case. I did a podcast with one of my friends who happens to be white. Uh, Dr. Jordy Sparks, if you guys ever want to check out that podcast, he gave a great perspective on how white America should respond, should react to racial discrimination, to social injustice, and to the killings uh, and murder of Ahmaud Arbery and so so many others like him. He gave a great response, not from the perspective of white America, even though he's white, but from the perspective of humanity, how should we react when my brother mm-hmm. who may be black, who may have a darker yeah. skin tone is killed? How should I react? And uh, white people have to, I will, I will always have the conversation with them that will make them uncomfortable about race and social injustice because I don't, you need to feel uncomfortable about this because if you mm-hmm. experience discomfort from this conversation now you have a touch of what i experience every day and i don't feel bad about that every day right right and and my whole thing my uh, my purpose in the world is to teach right and i want you to come to a better understanding so i when i analyze and i see i'm like all right my best friend i was i was the best man in his wedding white guy all white family from uh from rural Missouri. Um I was like in his day-to-day interaction, he doesn't his fa- him and his family, they don't even have to they yep. don't even have to interact with black people on a, their their level ever. Day to day, I am the only one. So I I have to be I have to put myself in these positions. I didn't put myself in we just like I'm, we we became friends in grad school, but um, like I put myself intentionally in those positions, like uh, teaching the girls camp and 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 doing things like that, just so that they can have an interaction, a, a positive interaction. So when you have the more interactions that people have, like we have a, a, a interactions with a lot of different people across the board, being INFJs to bring it full circle. So. We understand different elements and we can be cool with anybody. Right. But if you don't have those interactions, those intentional interactions where you're the only white person at an all black uh, barbecue, you know, just one time, two times, whatever. But you have that experience and you can experience people at their in their own greatness or whatever (laughs) in their own being just people. Yeah. You, you're going to have stereotypes and uh, generalizations. So generalizations lead to stereotypes that lead to implicit bias yeah. that lead to an ism is what I tell people. <laughs> and it, it, so it starts at that, uh, that, uh, that uh, generalization. Like, why do you have a generalization? Because you haven't had contact with these people or you don't haven't had contact with athletes or whoever are ceos or whatever so you make this general statement that all ceos are like steve jobs and they hate their employees or, or like elon musk that work their employees we don't have that connection. whatever 
Yep. So, but you don't really know because you made a generalization off of something that you heard. So, we need to get white people to have more in- intentional interactions with people of color. And that's all. I mean, I can't teach you. I can't teach you what to think, but I can give you a bunch of interactions. But you, if you steer yourself away from it, then like I'm not gonna force it on you, but it's coming. In 20 years, this this country will be I, a majority minority country. Yeah. And I think, what are you, you know, gonna do and, about and, it? Are you gonna I'm fight hoping, it or accept it? I, I I hope that white America um sees themselves can see themselves within this issue and problem of racial discrimination. I hope that whether we are a majority country, majority minority, brown co- country, and 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, white people have made a choice to not, they've made a conscious choice to not interact, not not all white people, but I'm talking about in general, of course, uh, I always had to define this, uh, white America in general, historically, have made a choice not to interact with people of color, except as you said, when when we're serving, when we are below you, when we are providing a service or entertainment, but it's it's going to take some it's going to take some white Americans, some white males, white females, white white whatever. It's going to take some white Americans to speak to their own, to be like you know what you're. This is not right. They're, they're out there. They're out. They're out mm-hmm. there in the in the message. In the, and they in out the there is, is getting they out. out it's going to take because I I do, you know I see even with. Uh, even on a peer-to-peer level, you know, I could you could have a uh, a a white coworker and a in a in you know, and I being black, I don't think they necessarily. I don't think, I don't think they always see me on the same level. And, 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 because it, you know, and here's the deal. No, because then even it comes that, to money too money. <laughs> at the same time. I and. And they still won't see, or, or I've had experiences even. Yep, uh, when and they, they still won't see. I grew up <laughs> upper middle class. My father made six figures. That blows their mind. They don't know how to handle that. And they're in their 30s and 40s. Stuff in my childhood, I'll just drop a bomb wow. and be like, nah, that's not how I grew up. That's how you grew up. I grew up, like, like just, to, just to sort of make them uncomfortable uh-huh. enough to be like, Yo, this is not every black person is not painted within the same sort of realm of or within the same box that you want to put us in for your own comfort, for the own comfort of your mind. Yep. This generalization. Yeah. We're not all the same. And your generalization, and now, you know, once again, that we're not the same. Now your mind is blown. And so white America has to learn how to be more reflective mm-hmm. and 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 not operate so much within their fear. They've operated within this country so much of fear, and which leads to killings such as Ahmaud Arbery, which leads to these mass shootings, uh, which these, these lone, what do you call them, lone wolves, even though they're not lone wolves. These are, mm-hmm. these are angry white men uh, going to these yeah. places. Yep. Yep. That that's, that 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 acted on what they think, <laughs> and that have historically operated in their fears and biases. Slavery, you can't have slaves not operating your fear and in your biases. And so these white men have always populated throughout time. And so whether you're taking a hundred slaves or you're shooting a Mod Arbery, it's the same white fear and white bias that needs to be addressed 
not only by, of course, talked about by black Americans and people of color, but also addressed within their own communities. White America needs to step up. Yeah. Right. And and what I do, so on my social media accounts, on my on my personal social media accounts, especially Facebook, um, I, I give uh, like documentaries that white people have done. Like I listed like a whole bunch of documentaries, books that like um, white fragility, but it, it it goes back like so. How I analyze it is that white people don't want to be deemed a mm-hmm. racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they do have implicit bias, right? But but when we call them racist or call it racism, you know, they it, it turns it shuts them down. So just like calling us the the N word or something like that, or it's something that that makes you shut down and not think straight. That's what happens to them when we when we come at them from that full force. But just having the understanding of what implicit bias means and how that is is related to racism and being a racist, I think. And then the another word or phrase that um, shuts them down is white supremacy because it's associated with the Ku Klux Klan and different things like that. So, <laughs> so that, that's a, another element to the their yeah. issues with. Um, just the discussion. So if you bring up white supremacy, they shut down. Yeah, and they it, become defensive. It goes back to that privilege. Instead of because they, they, they don't want to talk about white privilege either. Like we, everything so, in, in everything in black yeah. society can sort of be analyzed and broken down. Right. That's another word. <laughs> but when it comes back to your to historically how white America has treated black America, they it, it's almost as if they're they're once again, they're not conditioned to handle that element of conflict. I, I was in a meeting uh, and we were talking about, you know, racial discrimination and, and how mm-hmm. we treat black and brown people and students in, in general, especially like black youth and teens. And so I was talking about it and, and, and the tears started to flow. Mm-hmm. People in, 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 in the women and men that I, were, that I was in the meeting mm. with, they started to cry. You know, oh, we can't handle this. No, 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 no. You could, yeah, you could save your tears. I told her that you could save your tears. You have to handle. You have it. to handle. This. <laughs> if you can't, at the moment where it becomes uncomfortable for you, this is where you need to you need to suck it up, as you tell us, pull up your bootstraps, and sit here and take this here medicine, because this is what we take every day. At the moment, you get a taste of the medicine of hate. Yeah. Or a taste of, of the discomfort that you bring upon other people, you rejected out of your privilege. I'm not moved by your tears. I, I, it's not enough, as I, as, as uh, yeah. my friend Dr. Jordy Sparks mm-hmm. said, it's not enough to be uh, to say, "Oh, I'm not racist." Yeah, I'm not racist, but are you anti-racist? Are you? If, if you can, you cannot be racist and not be anti-racist, and, because you can mm-hmm. perform, you can receive benefits based upon your race. If you are, if you are anti-racist, are you anti-racist? Are you willing to sacrifice your, yeah, your livelihood, yeah. your position? Yeah. Livelihood. Your livelihood. And I tell that to my white friends, too. That's the difference. We have to, if we speak up about it in the workplace, in whatever place of uh, that, that has 
that that controls our livelihood if we speak up yep. about it we are if we can get our stuff cut off but to make a change in in white america it, there needs to be a whole yep. lot more that are willing to put their livelihood on the line for what is right and and it, it, if that means you have to be uh financially successful y'all probably already got it in y'all family anyway (laughs) like you you already gonna be successful you got you got investments and things like that like but if it comes out to you continuing on or cutting it all off like that that's the difference and and there's a thin line between sympathy and empathy uh, and I, I like I want white people to be empathetic. Like you, you have to understand it first, and then understand that you there's a part to play in moving forward. Not just be sympathized and oh, we, we're gonna give them money and and throw these programs at them and and do these different types. That's sympathy. Like no, we need empathy, and and we need it in ourselves and with others because we need to speak about it publicly and and be un, unashamed. Yep. Are are unashamed about what we speak and unapolog- unapologetic about what we speak because I I have to mince my words a whole bunch I have to pull back a whole bunch because people shut down when I start talking about it when I give them examples like um uh, uh, this just happened re- like just these last week I was watching Last Chance You perfect example of of the different races right so they have all of these um d1 athletes misfits or whatever they come from difficult backgrounds and things come to this college um the the college is in a a rural white neighborhood or white community and they have these they they have these this coach that verbally abuses these students and the community thinks it's okay that is that they are being talked to like this because they come from an inner city. So, what do you think about the real inner city? Do the police have the uh, the authority to mistreat people just because they're a part of the inner city and they let them go? No, you have to say something. Like this dude for two years was cussing these kids out, and I'm like, how is that productive? You know, that's straight abuse. And I went through it in my own college experience as, as an athlete. So I'm like, no, this is how they see it. it. <laughs> because you haven't had any issues. Or con- it brings you in money for, for the college. And you're just going to allow this man to treat this these students any type of way. And you, you don't say anything about it until you start losing. Like, <laughs> it was the same the first day. So, I mean, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. Go ahead and hit that five stars and leave me a review. And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Work Hard Movement.